Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life. I'm Ryan Peck, and this is a podcast where I interview a guest about a soundtrack that they have a personal connection to. Today, I'm talking to fellow film podcaster Raymond Liu of the Real Asian Podcast, which you can find on all major podcast platforms. Real is spelled R-E-E-L. So, Raymond, why don't you tell us about Real Asian Podcast? Hey, what's up, Ryan? Nice to nice to be on the show. Appreciate the opportunity to to talk about what we're going to talk about, and I'll let you do the intro. But Real Asian Podcast, well, um, as you mentioned, we're a film deep dive analysis discussion podcast, and really, what we do is we take um, Asian or Asian American film, put it at the center table and uh, myself and other co-hosts or sometimes a guest will uh, take it apart peel out of it what we found important to the movie, uh, themes of it, characters, but then also in the kind of greater Asian and Asian American culture. Like, how did this impact the society at large? Is there any news about it? Why is it the talk of the town? So that's pretty much the the format and the structure uh, of the show. We, we try to give a nice feel that it's just a bunch of friends kind of hanging around in the bar. We've just seen a pretty great movie and we just want to talk about it. Very cool. Yeah. I'm, I enjoy your podcast. I think you guys have some really great takes. A lot of stuff that I wouldn't pick out myself. Ah, uh, nice. nice. Yeah, what's great is um, I give uh, I give my co-hosts pretty full reign in terms of what they want to talk about. In terms of planning process, uh, we, you, we do start like a, a doc and we just say like, hey, you know, what do you guys want to talk about? And we just put down bullet points and then each co-host kind of comes in with their analysis. And what's great of, of having different perspectives on it is, is exactly that. I mean, you get different takes and I learn stuff from my co-hosts all the time in every episode. Um, sometimes we agree on things and sometimes we don't agree on things, but generally we do. So far, we haven't had any heated debates yet, so or heated discussions. But you know who knows? You know who knows? Yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So for this episode, we'll be talking about the 2018 Ryan Coogler film Black Panther. Ooh, Raymond, yeah. why are we talking about Black Panther today? Well, I mean, Black Panther was such a milestone in whatever category that you can you put it uh superhero movie representation uh marvel story the deep philosophical uh, uh themes that the movie talks about ryan coogler is a oakland product and i'm from the bay area so there's that tie to it too and you know i'm a big marvel fan so there are so many reasons why i love the black panther movie you know just objectively it was a great great film but like the cherry on top if anything it's more than a cherry it's like that it's like the perfect cream filling on top of this this cake of achievement is the soundtrack put together and curated by kendrick lamar and you know the 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 soundtrack actually came out before the movie and uh, it was already kind of getting a lot of buzz and so when i listened to the soundtrack 
I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is an amazing album. Like <laughs> I hadn't even seen the movie and I already felt like the movie was good. That's how great the album was or the soundtrack. Yeah, I agree. I had the same reaction to the soundtrack. I'm a big Kendrick Lamar fan, a big mm-hmm. fan of, you know, a lot of the top dog entertainment roster, which is on this soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But yeah, it's like this really I don't know if I want to call it a fun album, but it's it's an album that works as a whole, right? Like you can listen to it yeah. front to back. And so, yeah. you know, just like you, I was excited about the movie, but the soundtrack came out first. And, you know, I just thought it was a great piece of music without even seeing the film. Yeah, and that's really hard to do, right? I think I think when when an artist or a producer is is tasked with putting together a soundtrack, most of the time it's what the studio kind of assigns it. But what Marvel and the Black Panther team, you know, basically Marvel gave Ryan Coogler an idea. It's like, well, here's full, full, here's freedom, full freedom to kind of come up with the soundtrack. And and Ryan Coogler talks about how he had always wanted, he met Kendrick before and they've always wanted to work together, but couldn't find a reason to. And then this kind of fell into their lap. And it's really like, as you said, it's really rare that a soundtrack can really stand alone as its own album. And the, the, the fact that it's just this collection of artists and styles just perfectly complement each other. Right. Um, usually uh, in my experience in, in most soundtracks, it just kind of captures the mood of the movie, which this album does, but it's kind of like a bonus or it's kind of like an add on, or it's like the score. Um, obviously if it's like a, if it's a musical movie, that's kind of like a no-brainer. But in this one, it, it really just perfectly complements and supplements and just adds on to how great the movie is and in how great the album is. It's like a complete package. Yeah, and I think I read an interview with Ryan Coogler where initially he was just going to ask Kendrick to contribute like a couple of songs. Yeah, and, yeah. And then Kendrick watched a cut of the movie and then he was like, I've got a whole album of ideas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cr- so funny how like uh, they they're like okay cool we'll do a couple of songs and then after watching a an early cut he's like no we got to do the whole thing like I think they just ran with it and again it, it it I think it was just like a combination of chance and talent and you know collaboration where Kugler was just like go for it yeah so I really enjoy this album and I it's gonna make me kind of sound like a Kendrick hater but I feel mm-hmm. like. It's like a Kendrick Party album that he like mm. can't make as a solo artist. Mm, interesting, because you know? his solo albums are like so introspective, and they're so you know they're so. I don't want to say they're not fun, but you know he he, he you know kind of picks a storyline for each album, right? Right, right. No, and that's that's fair. I mean, honestly, I think he he says himself that it was ideal for a project like this for for him to do a project or get an opportunity to do a project that that is not his, and so maybe that kind of gave him the creative freedom to just try things out, showcase his artists. You know, a lot of the artists on on the album are from TDE, so he was like, "Hey, let's just kind of use this opportunity to to put together a whole party and." And one of the, I guess, criticisms, so I wouldn't call you a, a Kendrick hater, but definitely one of the criticisms of that, uh, I forget, I think it was one of the newspapers was saying like, oh, you know, this is not Kendrick's style. And, you know, it was, they said generic, which is, I think it's a very harsh mischaracterization of the album, but they're like, oh, 
it's a it's a generic off brand of what we're used to of Kendrick. And I was like, mm, that's a little harsh, you know. And he he, you know, he took the opportunity to like really put something together that's new. Yeah, I agree. Like I feel like it is it's a celebration of blackness. Mm-hmm. Especially on the second half of the album where they bring in like some South African uh, yeah. musicians. You know, I yeah. I get a really celebratory tone from this album, which like I said, I'm not trying to hate, but like sometimes you don't get that from his album because he's, you know, going talking about like suffering or, you know, mm-hmm, the plight mm-hmm. of growing up mm-hmm. in Compton, you know, like there's not yeah. a lot of room for celebration um, yeah, yeah. on some of those projects. And I was on someone else's podcast and they were talking about the song King's Dead. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I can't believe that there's a Kendrick song where you they just have future saying la di da di da slob on my knob. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I have that down as one of my notable tracks. I would say it's probably in the bottom part of my tracks only because I'm not a future hater, but I don't listen to his stuff. And I laughed. I kind of chuckled at that part when he's like, oh, you know, and that's just future style. Um, he's, he's, a, he's an artist in his own right, but yeah, you're right. I mean, for, for Kendrick to put his, to, to be the person behind it and to curate it, he had to have some kind of sign off. Um, but kind of along that same line, you know, uh, when I was doing the research on paramedic, which was performed by SOBRBE, there was an interview where, you know, they were being asked like, how did that, how did you guys even get on this album? And they were an up and coming um, Bay Area rap group at the time. And they came in about to record. And Kendrick was just like, you guys do you like do do your own sound, like just rap your own bars. Don't worry about what you, what what is expected of you. Because, you know, if you listen to the rest of their music, it's uh, it's it's considered kerosene bar, like it's just fire, and it's so real and raw. I actually I like listening to um, SOBRB. I actually think they broke up though, but you know their their style is wouldn't you wouldn't say Disney appropriate, but Kendrick <laughs> is like do you you know, and I think that just to his credit of allowing these artists work. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite songs on the record, and I didn't know who they were beforehand but they don't seem intimidated to be on the same soundtrack as Kendrick and Schoolboy Q and all mm. these bigger names. Like they're not yeah. intimidated at all. No, that's great. Uh, also on that interview, uh, one of them was just like, after they recorded it, the interview was like, did you think that the song would be so, I think the song went plat- platinum and they're like, no, as soon as they stopped recording and left the studio, they thought that's not going on the album. <laughs> like <laughs> immediately they were like, it's not going out. They, they thought it was just, uh, Kendrick going to record just to gas him up, but then they didn't think he would actually make it to the final cut, you know? Yeah. And I think Ryan Coogler was a big fan of theirs as well. Like, I think he told yeah. Kendrick like, Hey, check these guys out. Like yeah. they should be on the soundtrack. Yeah. And you know, again, Coogler from the Bay area, uh, SOBRB from the Bay area. So there's that Bay area connect. And I, I like it. I, it does bring a certain, it's a unique style to the album. Um, that that I mean, I think it's perfect because Oakland is featured in the movie, and so you have to have that Oakland flavor. And so I think every song on the soundtrack was intentional and has some kind of tie to the movie itself. Yeah, 
the, I remember the first couple songs that were released from the soundtrack were like the SZA song and the Weekend song. Yeah, and those are definitely like two of the more popular songs on the album. Right, they they live with that. I think those those singles came out a couple weeks before leading up to it. And yeah, those are going to you have to have like the pop songs that you know that's going to be played on the radio. Um, that everyone's going to know, but you know, all the stars, but um, Wisiza was Grammy nominated. It's, it's an amazing song, and that was probably a song that was listened to constantly um, on every like top 100 playlist that you can think of. It such a such a popular song. Yeah, and I think I remember reading like a criticism of that song, like, oh, it's you know, basically created just to be played during the end credits of a film and it's like yeah that's the point of the song like yeah like, what's wrong with that song. like it's a great like soaring pop song that you put at yeah. the end of the movie uh yeah. kendrick has an ear for that i think he did that on good kid mad city with it's the one that just blaze produces at the end yeah yeah, and yeah. i yeah. think i remember reading an interview with kendrick and you know they're like doesn't it feel kind of out of place to put that song at the end of the album and he's like it's the end credit song for my album yeah, like no, it's the it's the literal song that's in the movie and in the in the album. And I don't know, did you get a chance to see the music video by chance? Or watch the music video for all the stars? Yes. Yeah. What'd you what'd you think of it? I'm trying to remember it. Cause like I'm getting it mixed up with um the actual end credits of the movie, which also <laughs> seems like a music video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me do a quick Google just to see like what the image of the video is, and I'll yeah, yeah. Get back to you. You, you. I think, I think if I remember the the thumbnail being like um, Kendrick's on a on a wooden boat or a canoe, and he's riding on top of these these hands or these waves, uh, and then kind of throughout the music video, and I know I'm describing it when you're maybe you're gonna watch it, but you know he's in modernized like. Afro futuristic garb, um, same with SZA. And SZA's kind of like dancing around and singing at, with her chorus, uh, with stars all around her. And obviously, there's a whole bunch of constellations in the in the video and stuff like that. But it was beautiful. I mean, it 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 definitely had meaningful interpretation to it. You know, you think about the ancestral ancestral plane in Black Panther and the stars and and all that stuff so there's that connected to it and it definitely had a lot of meaning to it there's a part in in the one of the verses i think it's kendrick's verse where you know he kind of acts as killmonger he kind of jumps into perspective of killmonger um and and we get a sense of like what what love how love is defined and their expectations and confrontation all these things and so i just thought it was great I remember watching the movie for the first time and we saw it in like in an enhanced theater for sound. It wasn't like the, it wasn't, no, it was just sound. So it wasn't a bigger screen, but it was, Oh oh, yeah. I think it's, they called it AMC prime. Hmm, Interesting. So it was like a step above the Dolby surround sound. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, is it just like, just really in there? I don't know. I guess it's just really Uh, loud. I don't this so like this movie like with you know it's very drum forward with the score yeah 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 like so it was like super intense like it really enhanced the viewing of the movie um and it enhanced a lot of the songs too mm-hmm. so all the stars the first time I heard it I was like oh you know it's 
it's a good catchy song. You know, when I was watching the end credits that first time I saw the movie in this, you know, enhanced sound theater, like, yeah, yeah. Like everything just, I was like, how do I get this speaker system in my house? (laughs) And it made me appreciate the song a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah. You know, you just really got the full blast of it. You know, uh, in, in the movie itself, when I was watching the movie again, I don't think there are notes, um, and, and different, like beats and sounds that are pulled from the soundtrack, but actually not that much. I think the only other, other than all the stars in the end credits, I think the only other direct song from soundtrack in the movie was Ops, which was, I think, played during the the car chase scene in, in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to imagine now that you mentioned that, having that sound system, because that car scene in itself was absolutely just high, high, adrenaline fast paced you know beautifully shot i love that car scene and if you're sitting in a theater with that sound system going off yeah i mean you had to be your blood must have been uh, pumping right there (laughs) oh yeah that scene was amazing uh big vince i'm a big vince staples fan anyways yeah but to hear ops with like the enhanced sound Mm -hmm. oh it was so good visuals yeah if you don't mind i would love to you know talk about the movie um but what you're general takeaways in terms of Black Panther or, or maybe I should start off with just how big of a Marvel fan you are, if you are. Yeah, I'm a Marvel fan. I've seen um, all the, what is it, phase one, two, and three movies. So, yeah. so you know, I got through Endgame. I'd seen all the films. Um, we are up to date on WandaVision. Mm. Oh, I mean, no, I, we don't want to spoil anything, but God, that show is amazing. I would love to talk about a lot of the songs they picked for that show. That'd be, that would be a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to Black Panther. It met all my expectations. I was mm-hmm. really excited to see it in the, you know, I paid extra to see it in the fancy theater. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. You went you went with the AMC Prime. Yeah, yeah and it was, it was worth every penny. I saw it again later uh, with my parents in just a regular theater and, like, I was not so disappointed with how like <laughs> yeah. the sound was just not popping all over the place. Oh, you were spoiled. You're like, oh man. <laughs> so the movie was nominated for um, film of the year by the Oscars. Didn't win, mm-hmm. but it was the first Marvel film to be nominated for that. And I heard I had a discussion with some friends about you know like why are they nominating Black Panther for this? And my response was. The Academy loves these like epic sort of battle movies. It's kind of yeah. like Marvel's version of Braveheart. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it did an amazing, it had an amazing performance uh, at the box office too. And, you know, I think not to ignore the fact that it was kind of during this time where representation were kind of coming off of hashtag Oscar so white and, you know the 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 societal impact that the movie had on top of it being a really good you know robust movie if you think about the themes that are in the movie uh, and that's really why i loved it so much um i especially love michael b jordan's character eric killmonger um he his character was so complex and I love movies where you somewhat understand the villain like those are my favorite type of like uh, yeah, other than the art housey kind of, you know, slice of life kind of movies, but when you have those big blockbuster movies that's like good versus evil kind of thing, well, the best ones are for me, it's like evil is like 
only evil because they they have a certain perspective and maybe they just kind of take it a little bit too far or they you know maybe their approach of doing it is wrong but you're like i kind of get what you know i kind of get what they're saying you know i kind of get what eric killmonger is saying you know right that and that's why my friend says magneto is like the most famous marvel villain because yeah, he has a backstory yeah. where you kind of understand why yeah. he thinks the way he does yeah and and like thanos too even with thanos it's like you know he's he's mad but you know when he explains himself you're like okay you know yeah resources are limited you know (laughs) like i don't know about wiping half of the of the universe out but you know okay you have a point there thanos like you think you're doing good (laughs) yeah like you think you're helping yeah no honestly and uh the biggest theme, you know, be along that line with ha- having the villain kind of uh, explore and bring up and pose this question to the audience, um, and, and it just got me really thinking. And and w- what was beautiful is that it is really what Ryan Coogler um, wanted to convey in the movie. He was all about kind of like, you know, there's this there's this group of people that were forcibly taken from their homeland, their motherland and from Africa, their mother continent and forced to live in this other country under the worst conditions possible. And then you kind of pose it to where you have this isolated country. uh, Yeah. Isolated country in Wakanda, who's got the best technology and at the best resources in the world. And it's just completely thriving. And then, then you have, you know, the, uh, Njobu, I believe, is my, uh, Sterling Sterling K. Brown's character, um, realizing that it's not the same, and and w- is it Wakanda's responsibility to to have to open up their borders essentially to to change their foreign policy to start helping other people, and, and at first it's kind of like no, because you could say. Well, that's why they're thriving is because they don't share with other people. They're they're participating in isolation uh, isolationism. Um, but obviously, T'Challa changes all that. And can we just say rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman? Oh man, yeah, he does a stellar job in that role. Seriously, um, I'm I'm bummed that we're not going to see more of him. Just an artist in this in the truest form, the way that he he went out, and I um. I know that he also was in the Five Bloods, and he was also in another critically acclaimed film. Um, but in just this context, of not him, not being able to see him take on the Black Panther mantle really saddens, saddens me. But it's also I know that they I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Shuri is most likely to take up the the Black Panther mantle uh, for Black Panther Two. Right? Yeah, I mean it's at least a. Uh... It's in the comics where Shuri also becomes Black Panther. So yeah, yeah. that's probably the yeah. most likely option. Yeah, yeah. It it it's sad, but I mean now we have him memorialized and celebrated in this work. So I'm happy for that. I mean, he was amazing. And so much of his work is just absolutely phenomenal. There was a joke that they kind of revived after he passed away where, you know, for a while he was getting every major uh, historical black role. So he was James Brown. Mm-hmm. He was Jackie yeah. Robinson. Right, right, right. 
obviously he became Black Panther. So there was a bunch of comedians who were like, I guess other black people can get like cool roles now that Chadwick is gone. But <laughs> but as a like not not to say like they're glad Chadwick is gone, but like, right, you right. Know, you know, he was like the the A lister who was scooping up like every great role because he was so great. Yeah, he was so great at playing civil rights leaders and important black fi- uh, figures. And that's a hard talent. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, I remember watching this interview. Uh, I think it was Jamie Foxx who was asking him, like, why do you pick these roles and what does that really mean? Because even though these people are are real people, as an actor, it's even harder for that to portray a real person because, one, you want to do it justice. You don't want to completely you know, botch the, the portrayal of this character. But, two... You don't want to do it exactly like them where you're kind of, you know, you have to have some kind of interpretation of it. And so for him as an actor to be known to be so prolific in that space is a rare achievement in and of itself. I mean, and obviously it just shows his acting chops. And oh, by the way, he's King T'Challa, <laughs> you know. All right. Yeah, I don't think I realized how great of an actor he was until I started like putting the performances next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then, like, hearing how he talks in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's so, he's from Carolina, right? So he has a little bit of that, like, Carolina drawl. Yeah, And to go from yeah. that to talking like T'Challa. Yeah. You know, like, that, it's hard to keep that going for, like, a whole movie. Or a movie it, and a half, you know? Because <laughs> he was in oh, Civil War as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, and, and uh, Infinity War, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just shows how cerebral he was with his work, um, and and being able to just carry that on. Just amazing performance, you know. With the movie, I did want to uh, one of the tidbits that I did find that you know Ava Dunu- Ava Dunerve was supposed to direct it. I guess before Coogler was considered, and mm-hmm. then F. Gary Gray uh, were supposed to. Were, were in consideration to direct Black Panther, I think years ago too. Um, but then I think Ava said her vision didn't quite match with what was thought of of Black Panther. So ultimately went with Coogler. And, you know, to tie it back with the soundtrack, because of the relationship that uh, Ryan Coogler had with Kendrick, I, mean, I honestly believe that if Coogler was not the director for this movie, we would not get the Black Panther soundtrack that that we have today, you know? Who knows how that would have turned out. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I actually met Winston Duke once. Oh, yeah? When did you meet him? So I work at a nonprofit. It's called Project by Project. And this was this was 2018, actually. So um, we have an L.A. chapter. So, you know, we throw this annual gala every year. It's like this big food tasting benefits when... Uh, events were allowed. Seems like a different world now, but <laughs> uh, we had we had this gala, and um, I was at the LA one helping out. And I remember um, it's pr- it's primarily for like Asian people, but obviously anyone and who, whoever buys a ticket can go. And it's in LA, so typically we do get these like actors and celebrities um, from that go to the LA one SF. We always get like the tech entrepreneurs. It's kind of funny that it reflects the city. But anyways, this guest comes in. She's VIP and she has a plus one and and she's like introducing everyone. And then he was so 
cool, like so gracious. And he like introduced himself to everyone too. Cause I was kind of at the registration table and I looked at him and I was like, why do you look so familiar? <laughs> you know, cause he was, he's huge too. He's a tall guy. He's a big guy. And I was like, why does he look so familiar? And it wasn't until he left and, and then, uh, Everyone was kind of following him. So I was like, okay, he's obviously famous. And then someone said like, oh, that's M'Baku. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, oh, that's M'Baku. And I was like, oh, it's Winston Duke. Super nice guy. He was he was so supportive. And like the the nonprofit, the gala, the, what it was for is for like fundraising uh, for to help uh, other Asian communities. And so for him to kind of show up to an event like that um, just says a lot about his character. And he was so nice to everyone. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. Um, oh, that's yeah. so cool. And he's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Yeah. I mean, the whole ensemble is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I love Okoye, uh, Nakia, and Shiri. Um, I do want, I love how there's even a song that's kind of dedicated to the strong female presence that's in the movie. Um, and I caught that with, I think that's. Uh, the ways with uh, Khalid and Sway Lee. I actually really like that song too. I, you know, that was one of my uh, early favorite songs when I listened to it. Yeah, I was like, I really like that song, and I wouldn't consider myself a Khalid fan. Mm. Really? How come? Just not. Just his... never really got into him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very mellow. I would say. I guess his. Yeah, he he does have he has that one song with disclosure that's really really catchy and poppy i actually went to one of his shows um not a bad live artist i would say not a bad live artist but the lyric that i wanted to to pick out is uh pick me up when i fall down and out dust me off and show me all the truth show me that i'll never fly alone uh and i just love that lyric and just 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 kind of like the ode to powerful women in our lives, you know, who are the true backbones of our society. And, you know, for sure, this song speaks to the Dora Milaje. Um, I, I think it's a super quite, uh, lovely song. I think that was written by Kendrick and Sway Lee themselves. Oh, very cool. I'm trying to get like more familiar with like who actually worked on the songs. Like, you know, mm-hmm. We're in the we're in the age of streaming and like iTunes and stuff. Well, not even iTunes anymore, but we're in the you know I'm used to having like a CD booklet or a record booklet where like I'm looking at all the producers and I'm looking at all the writers on songs and like I kind of skipped that until we started talking about doing this uh, episode. Like I've listened to the soundtrack, I've listened to the soundtrack like a hundred thousand times, but I was never like, oh, who produced this song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, just even mentioning CD booklets like that. It was so crazy how that used to be a thing and you would you know, open it and look at it and it would, sometimes it would have the lyrics, sometimes it would not. And you would just, uh, it, it would just have random like pictures on, on the booklet. I never really, I guess I never really paid too much attention to the booklet when, when I listened to CDs back then, I definitely enjoyed the, the back of it. Because I always look at the track listing, obviously, but just the artwork that was on it. Um, but I mean, yeah, none of that that doesn't exist anymore. No one listens to CDs. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, you know, on the Georgia, is Georgia Smith her name is? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jorah Smith, yeah. Jo- yeah, Jorah Smith. No, sorry. It's on the ways. Uh, the, I guess Bad Bad Not Good, that hip-hop uh, mm-hmm. instrumental band, they, they're on that mm-hmm. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, yeah. Nev- I would have never even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of Jorah Smith. Uh, she's, she's. I'm a big fan of R and B, so I usually like to try to keep up with like the the, the current R and B artist. And you know, Khalid is is someone that's kind of up there, and he's he's more in the R and B pop. And uh, George Smith, obviously, SZA is great. Um, and and to see those artists on this album because i think at the time they're not like huge artists right and for kendrick to be able to be very cognizant of putting these artists based on the fact that it was to a vision not necessary not necessarily to like a marketability you know because i'm sure he could have i think if he asked a whole bunch of artists like hey do you want to be on the black panther soundtrack everyone's gonna raise their hand because they know like cha-ching you know disney marvel that's like a whole train but he was like no like i have a very specific vision to the soundtrack and i want to keep it like this yeah and i think a lot of the smaller artists are the ones that shine like probably my least favorite songs are probably the travis scott song the weekend song is fine but i i think there's more interesting songs on the soundtrack (laughs) i'm trying to see where the my my least favorite song is but like I like the Mozzie song on there, and I wasn't too familiar with his work. He's another Bay Area rapper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that one is uh, Seasons. Actually, that one's a pretty good song too because it's got the Zulu verses on it by by Saba, which is a mm-hmm. South African rapper, and he's he's great. Um, got that reggae vibes to it too. So, um, I you know it was just funny. I remember listening to this album when I was stuck in traffic. I had no choice to be really in tune with the album. And I was like, man, this, this is track for track, just really dope. And I was, it was on repeat for probably for uh, the rest of the year, you know? Um, you know what? King's dead. I usually skip that song. I know that's critically acclaimed too. But I just yeah, kind of skip it. For- wasn't that nominated for like song of the year, record of the year at the Grammys? Yeah. Or I think at the Grammys it won best rap duo. So it won an award. You know, so but I'm like, eh. <laughs> I can I'll skip over it. I only like the second half where the beat switches and then Kendrick starts like rapping like red light, green light, and then, mm, yeah, and then yeah, the beat yeah. drops out and he yells, I am King Killmonger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I like that um, half of the song. <laughs> that one, that one's good too. Um, I mean, paramedic. That song just gets me hyped uh, anytime, any day. Uh, that was on. That was at a lot of house parties. Redemption. What do you think about that song? With Zakari. That's got South African vibes to it too. Oh, it's very pretty. Yeah, I, I like that song. That one's that that song is. I looked at the lyrics. Straightforward. It's upbeat. The rhythmic beats, great. Um, it's just a party song. Literally, it's about dancing all night. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, I can get with the song, you know. And I think that's just like to catch that the the night nightclub kind of feel of just kind of going, you know. Right. Um, I'm a big fan of the Schoolboy Q song on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. 
that that's a good like get your hype song get get your hype song two chains pretty solid solid track right there it does cover all the bases kind of what you talked about how like it's almost a little anti-kendrick in a way where it's so you know when his work is usually introspective and that's a that's a very uh, observant take i like how i think it also touches upon how because the black panther movie when the origins of the characters kind of was created back in like the 60s 70s i think um and the movie didn't take place during that time it took place modern day uh, that's how Kendrick probably interpreted seeing that first cut of the film to say, let's bring the sound, you know, to, to the contemporary sense and modernize it um, to the sounds of like today's hip hop um, while incorporating African themes and African sounds. And, you know, I do, I love how the, his, uh, his longtime collaborator, Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson, who, who worked with fruit, who worked, with him on Fruitvale and Creed and he spent time and they spent time in Africa and just did a whole bunch of research. Um, and also same thing with Soundwave, who was, who was the, the main producer of the album as well. Yeah. And I think Ludwig was very cautious about not trying to just co-opt mm-hmm. a sound, you know, he wanted to make something authentic. He wanted to really work with, African musicians, you know, he wasn't just trying to crib a couple of notes and throwing that into the score. Like he was very serious about, you know, being respectful of the music that he was trying to make. Well, it's great. There's this, there's this tidbit that I found that Ludwig took himself to Africa for research. And he thought since Wakanda was never colonized, he had to research music that was never influenced by Christianity. So you had to like go straight to the source, right? Because if you think about colonization, yeah, the arts got colonized too, in a sense. So he had to go right. deep into the heart and and just pick up out like true, authentic African cultural music uh, and he incorporated it in the score. So it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I know this isn't soundtrack related, but you know, as far as like how they talk in the movie and kind of the dialect Mm -hmm. that they use. Like all of that was like a lot of research and a lot of discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it seems like every element, you know, very intentional, like everything was researched and like even, um, you know, even when Martin Freeman is like piloting like that virtual kind of jet at the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. like his, his AI is Trevor Noah. Oh, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go back and listen to that now. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's like his one Marvel contribution. You know, it's like a kind of a cute cameo, but I remember like reading an interview with Trevor Noah about it and he was just like so proud of Ryan Coogler's like attention to detail, like mm-hmm. how they talk. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, like that's like a South African dialect. And, like I can... Like I can tell that like he did the research and, you know, it's just a, so such an honor to, you know, see people talking like the people you grew up with or mm-hmm. you know, like you, you can tell like where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. I, I think Kugler has such a monumental responsibility to ensure that he's telling this Black Panther story, not just from his own experience, 
growing up uh, as a kid in the Bay Area, but understanding the roots of his history. And you can really tell that in just almost every minute detail. And, you know, obviously the symbolism and importance of the of Black Panther um, and then Oakland ties there. So there's so many like layers and connections to this that I think it was, uh, I feel like he probably just saw it as like a complete treat. He was like, I am happy to take on this project. And he just like, knocked it out of the water and i've been a even before black panther i was a I, i've seen fruitvale station i've seen creed and so i've always been a ryan coogler fan he's just a fantastic director can we also talk about just i love andy circus uh and he he's he's an amazing actor and his range is just incredible you know <laughs> his, his villain is a lot less complicated than michael b jordan's villain <laughs> Yeah. Right. Every time I see him though, I just think of Gollum, honestly. Right. Gollum and the um uh Planet of the Apes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, seriously. Um but his his maniacal like personality in, in Black Panther was just a great performance to watch. Um yeah, he was he was amazing. Yeah, I also appreciate that even though his character doesn't have a ton of depth, uh, you know, he plays an important part of the plot, like Michael B. Mm -hmm. Jordan turning turning on him and, mm -hmm. you know, bringing him back to Wakanda, you know, buys him cred with Daniel Kaluuya's tribe, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and I, so I like it wasn't just like he's like this henchman. He was hated in Wakanda, and Michael B. Jordan used that to his advantage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and obviously he showed up in uh, Age of Ultron. I'm I'm curious, you know, I'm thinking about how soundtracks, artist-driven soundtracks, hard to come by, hard to do well. Um, what are some top-of-mind artist-driven soundtracks that you can think of that stand out to you that 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 are just like, oh yeah, that was pretty, that was a solid soundtrack. It's a very different movie, but I think Magnolia is mostly a Amy Mann-driven mm -hmm. soundtrack. Mm. And they even uh, incorporate her CDs into uh, a couple scenes where this girl's doing cocaine off of Amy Mann's CD covers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I know you did an episode on this. It was Romeo and the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack yeah so i think that's the big one from the 90s that everyone points to where you know you had a bunch of bands writing songs for the soundtrack so yeah it, it's a great it's a great curation of music even mm -hmm. though it's not like a specific artist that drives it it's a great soundtrack and it's missing the end credits song which is a radiohead song which radiohead decided to keep for themselves <laughs> i know don't you hate it when you try to look up a soundtrack and then only some songs are available because it also has to go through like the artist or sometimes like the the ownership of the record label i'm like oh man i want <laughs> i wanted to listen to the soundtrack for this song and it's not available well i think radiohead after they recorded it they were like oh we like this too much we're gonna put it on our album you can't have it for the soundtrack <laughs> and then and then tongue-in-cheek they called the song um exit music for a film oh man such a such a judo move right there <laughs> but yeah they watched the movie and then they wrote the song for it 
And they're yeah. like, oh, this is really good. So yeah. you can use it in the movie, but you can't put it on the soundtrack. Yeah, we want full, we'll give you something full rights to it. Yeah, we want full rights to it. I know Tron, Daft Punk, because I only Rest thought of peace. that. Rest in peace. <laughs> I know. I only know that because Daft Punk just recently broke up. Um, I know they did the soundtrack for Tron, so they got... Uh, I, I don't think I listened to it extensively, but you'd figure Daft Punk would be good in its own right um i think my friend walked was it walked down the aisle or he walked into his reception to a song from the tron legacy soundtrack that's how much he likes it <laughs> nice very nice eight mile eminem oh yeah eight mile is probably the best hip-hop one where it's like mm-hmm. because i feel like in the 90s there's a lot of great hip-hop songs from soundtracks but it's usually like one good song and then like a bunch of like leftovers yeah 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 well, speaking of the 90s, you just reminded me uh, Above the Rim because that was produced by Death Row. And, you know, Tupac is on the movie and Tupac was on part mm-hmm. of the soundtrack. So, yeah, I would say that's definitely up there in terms of artist-driven soundtracks. Um, oh, I think we're missing the most obvious one, and that would be the Lion King soundtrack where oh, Elton John wrote oh. all the songs. <laughs> that's right. Yes. that I think that would I would say that's probably the very first soundtrack that I bought a cd because i i love the first well the first like 10 are actual songs and then it goes into like the score if i remember yeah Yeah, i mean it's so good that even beyonce couldn't top it (laughs) sorry beyonce but to tie back to you know black panther i i like the how each song does play on a different theme and connect back to the movie i would say it did expose me to Zakari. Uh, Zakari, I didn't know who that was, and then when I listened to it, I was like, "Oh, who's this? This distinct voice and sound." And then I started digging into it, and yeah, it, it got me to discover all these different artists, which is great. I heard a little bit of Vince Staples, didn't listen too much about it. Um, same thing with Sobrbe, uh, and then I just kind of like went down like this artist rabbit hole. And but that's what's great about the like the this curation of music because it exposes you to different artists. I like that even though Kendrick is on almost every song, he's not credited on every song. So like mm-hmm. sometimes it's like a nice little surprise, like oh Kendrick's here. Yeah, yeah, he like pops in. He's like, hey, hello, you know. It it was Grammy nominated for best album, but I note on I put it on here it did get beat out by Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour. Which was actually also a fantastic album too. I, I actually I'm a big Casey Musgraves. Mus- I mean, I'm okay with it not winning album of the year, not because I didn't like the album, but I feel like if Kendrick's gonna win for album of the year, it shouldn't be for a soundtrack he curated. It should be for one of his solo like his, works. His, his you know, music. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, like I think To Pimp a Butterfly" should have won. Like that. That album. Mm. I think on so many levels is very deep. What do you think of his "Damn" album? Um, I really liked it. You know, all of his albums have been so different and it's, and especially since, you know, it came after To Pimp a Butterfly, which is an album that's very much steeped in like jazz and live music to yeah. basically an album that is kind of just like all bangers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was very interesting uh, to hear. Uh, for some reason, I always, I, I end up talking to people who have like seminary backgrounds about Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yeah yeah so i have one guy who or i know one guy who um you know loves the spirituality of kendrick's music 
Right. So when Good Kid, Mad City came out, we were driving around LA and he goes, did they just do an ultra call in the middle of the album? <laughs> and I'm like, yep. And yeah. so he loves the spirituality of Kendrick Lamar. And then I know a guy who now runs a bar who dropped out of seminary mm. and he's like, ah, damn is great because it's like Kendrick turning his back on God. And I was like, I'm not sure that's the point yeah. of the album, but okay. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting take. And, you know, the first album he did is very much like steeped in, you know, like he, it's an album that is executive produced by Dr. Dre. So he's got the Dre co-sign mm-hmm. and it's got what MC eight mm-hmm. <laughs> as a feature yeah. as well, which, you know, no, yeah. it was the feature that nobody knew they needed at the time, but you know, yeah, it kind of yeah. crushes it. But you know, it, it's an album that I feel like is steeped in like, 90s west coast Mm -hmm, mm hip-hop and then to pimp a butterfly i feel like is steeped in this new kind of hip-hop jazz fusion that's coming out that was coming out of la at the time so yeah you know you work with like flying lotus and thundercat and terrence martin you know a lot of the people who came out of like low end theory which is like a club down here Mm. or i don't know if it's still around but it was this club where like, you know, people like Flying Lotus would like spin. Wow. Um, so I felt like it was an embrace of like, like the new, well, like was like what is considered like new LA hip hop mm. or what is, you know, on that album. And then Damn is maybe something kind of in between. Mm. He even put this soundtrack together while he was on the tour for Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I read that too. Like, they they had a very short timeline. I think when they tapped him to make this album, and him and Soundwave were working on this while they were on tour, and they were just like putting together this this style, the ideas together. But I think they did like, I think it said like eighty percent, like much of it was done already while on tour, and then it was just kind of putting it all together, you know. But yeah, I think that's how he was so into it, you know. Yeah, and it's amazing because it doesn't sound like an extension of "Damn." Hmm. No, yeah, not at all. And you know, I think the the album, you know, the 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 soundtrack perfectly kind of resembles Wakanda, you know, in in a way where Kendrick is showcasing all these artists and pulling together these different styles and flavors. Uh, you go from South Africa to the Bay to, you know, more poppy hip hop artists. And, you know, just like Wakanda, there's different tribes, right? And so T'Challa, uh, Kendrick is kind of like T'Challa and kind of bringing to, together all the, the different tribes. Um, so that's definitely a parallel that I picked up between the movie and the soundtrack. And I guess SOBRB is Killmonger. <laughs> yeah, he, they represent Oakland. Yeah. The Bay Area sound, I love it, honestly. I mean, obviously from the area, so I have a, a personal affinity to it, but it never got to, it never translated to the rest of the country. Only so much, like E-40. You know, E-40 was is one of the few artists that was able to like- Too short, go, right? Too short, like very few. But the sound in terms of like Bay Area music, um, it didn't, I don't, I, I'm not a super hip hop fan, so anyone listening probably is going to be like, "You're completely wrong. You don't know what you're talking about." But just 
from my perspective, you know, you had the East Coast sound kind of influenced the rest of the country. And then obviously the Southern sound that kind of influenced the rest of the country. Yeah, the Bay Area music just never really got there. It's only rare. That's why I'm really glad to see artists like SOBRBE on this track to to be put on a big stage and get for everyone to kind of uh, hear that style of music and that influence. Because you can definitely tell. I mean, it's a banger. It's upbeat, high tempo. And for the song for it to go... Uh, for the song to go platinum, uh, and a lot of people really resonate and respond to that to that song, was a proud moment. Honestly, it was just like great. A Bay Area artist is getting the you know the uh, proper accolade, and it's a great song. That's probably my my go to song. If I'm just gonna listen yeah. to one song from that soundtrack, yeah. Have you ever? Uh, did you read the lyrics? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've ever gone through the lyrics. Definitely am I, I going to be disappointed? <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, no. It definitely <laughs> raw and filtered. You know, it, it definitely talks about their experiences and just their perspective uh, growing up in Vallejo, but also just, just like, you know, uh, growing up as young black men and just like the environment that they were in. Um, yeah, it was great. Very authentic, which I really liked. Yeah, I like how they're on the soundtrack and Schoolboy Q, who is kind of known to have, you know, gang affiliations or kind of to be known a gangster rapper. They're all, he's also on that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a Schoolboy Q show with my friend Jamari. So Jamari's got family in like South Central LA. And, you know, for me as a, as a, as a rap fan, like I kind of know like what the critics know or what's written about these people, but Jamari, like having people who have grown up like in the same neighborhoods as some of these rappers, like he has a very different, um, take mm-hmm. on some of these things. Yeah. But so we go to the school boy Q show and uh, I'd never been to a concert with him before. And he, the first thing he did is he walked up to the merch table and he started yelling at Schoolboy Q's merch guy. For what? He said, why are you selling all these white kids these hats? Because, you know, Schoolboy Q is known for the bucket hat and it says rose crayons yeah, yeah. on the front. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, you're going to get us kicked out of this show. Like, we just got here. Like, if you're going to yell at the merch guy, like, yell at him <laughs> yeah, after yeah, Schoolboy yeah. Q goes on. Yeah, yeah. And the merch guy, like, just looks at him and just kind of hangs his he- head and goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. I know, but hey, they're paying for it. I mean, was it because he just saw a bunch of white kids buying all the merch and it was like, oh God. No, it's because, uh, so the hat says Rosecrans on the front, which kind of like, which is the neighborhood he grew up in. I guess that's like, a has like gang affiliations to it. Oh, I see, I see. So you're buying this hat that has like this gang affiliation and like, if you're in the wrong part of LA, yeah, people you're gonna aren't going to care. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> And the guy was like, eh, whatever, we're getting, you know, they're paying for he it. He just like was, no, he like hung his head in shame. I was like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> oh, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> That's very funny. Well, very cool. Thank you, Raymond, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's fun talking about the the movie, fun talking about the album, of course. Um, gave me an excuse to listen to it. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, I was I've been looking forward to talking about this album with someone since I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. But everyone's just picked a different soundtrack. <laughs> so it's been yeah. like all right, I'll save Black Panther for later. <laughs> so I'm glad I got to talk about it with you. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I'm a big Marvel cinema fan, and I was like, oh, you know, this is a great, uh, perfect marriage between the movie and the soundtrack, and you know, I love both. So I'm glad it, I'm glad you were excited to talk about it. I'd rather talk about this than Guardians of the Galaxy, as far as the music goes. <laughs> Uh, that that's another. They'll say that for another time, because that's the other big Marvel <laughs> soundtrack, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I could go on a whole thing about how they almost intentionally um, try not to be memorable. Mm-hmm. Like, like when they use like kind of popular songs, like they kind of, you know, because they don't want them to age weird. You know, yeah. they don't want. They don't want Vanilla Ice showing up in the middle of a movie and saying, go ninja, go ninja, go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Vanilla Ice. Yeah, that that would be hilarious to see. I'd be like, what the? (laughs) You know, like, I, I feel like they try to not be stuck in a certain time unless they're intentionally trying to be in a certain time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's it's like a treat when a marvel when marvel taps like kendrick lamar because they know it's gonna be timeless music anyways Mm -hmm. yeah definitely thanks for coming on appreciate it ryan how uh how can people find real asian podcasts oh yeah definitely so you can search us up we're on instagram and facebook uh real asian podcast spelled r-e-e-l uh, we release episodes every other Friday, and um, we're planning on doing Raya the Last Dragon coming up soon, hopefully, uh, if things work out. Um, so, yeah, find us on Instagram. Feel free to give us a follow, give us a review, and obviously follow. If you're tuning in first time to, to Soundtrack Your Life, give Ryan and his podcast a follow as well. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.